A note to our audience. In this episode, we talk about sensitive end-of-life issues such as physician-assisted suicide. Hey everyone, let's ramble for a little bit. and welcome to another edition of Theological Ramblings. As always, I'm your host, Pastor Phil Janish, and with me we have Pastor Tom Fricky, the exuberant. <laughs> Hello, Phil. How are you doing? And we have Ross Henzi, the stoic. Yeah, that describes me well. <laughs> Thank you. So in this episode, we're going to take a brief break from our journey through the catechism. If you have listened to our previous episodes, you may remember when we covered the fifth and sixth commandments, we encouraged you, the audience, to submit any questions you had about those commandments. And we actually did receive two questions, so I thought we would dedicate an episode to covering those questions. Now, the first question regards the fifth commandment. One of our listeners writes... Could you give information on end-of-life applications? Do we have to continue to be hooked up to artificial means to continue living? Or can everything be disconnected to allow you to die peacefully? So this audience member is asking about end-of-life issues. So before we tackle the specific application, Tom, what principles from God's Word do we have to keep in mind as we talk about end-of-life issues? Well, I think the principle you want to keep in mind is that God is the giver of life, and we must not be the ones to actively choose to end that life. We let God be the one who determines when life concludes. Um, That's what he means when he says, you shall not murder. But in the case described, Uh, there is some room for judgment. Uh, The question really is, are we, uh, by artificial means of life support, extending life, or are we just prolonging uh, an individual's death? And God may make that clear as time goes on, that uh, the individual is just going to be dying, and it's, uh, the death is quite imminent. But, you know, the question is, is this artificial means of life support all that's keeping you alive at this time? Is it an extraordinary means? And can that extraordinary means of life support be removed? And we have some some room for judgment on this. And as Christians, I think we can in good conscience when it becomes evident that a person is, is going to die. If these are artificial means of life support, Uh, then we have the opportunity to, I mean, we can just uh, uh, in good conscience say, yes, uh, the Lord is pointing us in a certain direction. Why keep this person on a machine any longer? The question then comes up is, uh, are all the family members going to be at the same place? Uh, Some people may arrive at the decision that, yes, I'm ready to say goodbye sooner than other family members, and that, that raises another question at that point. Yeah, that happens, uh, opens a whole nother can of worms. So in regards to that specific question, is it permissible to 
to take someone off life support and allow them to die. Now, some of you may remember a while back, there was a woman named Terry Scheibel who, uh, due to a brain injury, was in somewhat of a vegetative state. And Terry's husband wanted Terry's feeding tube removed and allow her to die while her parents wanted to keep her on life support. And so a legal battle ensued and this all blew up in the media. So what would we say about issues like this? Is it permissible to take someone off life support and allow them to pass away? Ross, we'll let you respond. Well, first of all, that is a very, very serious question. And it is not an answer that you want to automatically just jump to. You want to spend a great deal of time, thought, and prayer over that very question. The thing that you, you need to really begin to try to resolve is the Lord making it clear that he is going to take this person home. And is the person alive only by artificial means? For are the kidneys stopped working? Is the brain uh, the only thing, you know, artificial? Is it keeping the heart beating so that the brain thinks it's still working? And all of those different kinds of questions. So you really have to rely an awful lot on the doctor. And usually a doctor has to do this in consultation with another doctor. And so it's not just one person's decision. So is the Lord making it clear that he's going to be taking this person home? And then if that is the case, the answer is yes. You could say, let the Lord take them home. You could take them off the ventilator. You could take them off the life support. And you could make them as comfortable as possible and then leave the rest in our Lord's loving hands. The question comes in, and the example that you had cited, is that what happens when you're taking away, someone is in a vegetative state, but you're going to take away the food which keeps them alive. So if you stop feeding them, and then in essence, they starve to death. You know, again, is the... It's really a matter of, is the person about to be taken home and is being kept alive by artificial means? That's one thing versus let's take the life away by restricting all nourishment so that they're not able to live. So everything like this, it's not always black and white. You have to be very cognizant of that and many times it's very gray. So that's why these are decisions that are made in consultations with pastors, with family members, and especially with doctors. One thing I would say to this to make the, everyone aware of, there is something called a do not resuscitate. So this is an armband that you can have placed on you ahead of time, and it makes it very clear to the hospital staff, to the EMTs, anything like that, that I do not wish to have heroic measures to try to save my life. If the Lord is going to take me home, let me go. I'm, I'm aware of that. I, I know that I have this heart condition or whatever the case may be. So that is something that you might want to also consider, but in consultation again with family and with your doctor. Yeah, thank you. Well said. There's just a lot to consider under this issue. Um, so thank you for your guys' thoughts. Now let's talk, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but this is a related issue. 
Um, let's talk about physical or physician-assisted suicide. Audience, you may have heard the phrase, the right to die with dignity. So if a person has a terminal illness that will greatly reduce their quality of life as the illness progresses and cause the person a tremendous amount of suffering as the illness progresses, some people will say it's better to just die with dignity. It's better to let a doctor administer some drugs that will quickly and painlessly end a person's life. The audience may remember that there was a doctor named Dr. Jack Kevorkian who would do this, and he received the nickname Dr. Death. And uh, in large part because of him popularizing this, currently in the state of Oregon, it is legal for doctors to prescribe lethal drugs to enable terminal patients to take their own lives. So what would we say to something like this? Tom, we'll let you go first. What we would say is that for physician-assisted suicide, that's wrong. I mean, this is what the, the fifth commandment is about. You shall not murder. Uh, the principle that God gives life and that he is the one who is uh, permitted to, to end that life, we're violating that principle if we choose to take that life of our own accord. So we should not be seeking to or choosing to actively end an individual's life. We're not making that decision in that case with a prayer, not my will but yours be done, Lord. We're saying, I want my will to be done here in this kind of a case. So I, I think we're standing on, on solid ground if we keep in mind what Paul said. You know, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. And either way, we are the Lord's. And this, this, this is a very important thing for us to keep in mind. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Ross, did you have anything you'd like to add? I think Tom said it well. It's really not our call to make, to end a life um, under those kind of circumstances. It's really not. And I think when we get to the next question, uh, I think it will provide a valuable understanding of, of one of the blessings or, what are the, or why we don't want to do that. Yeah, well then let's, let's jump to that. So my next question is, how does the concept of the Christian cross play into this now that's a term so it might require some explanation ross we'll let you go first i believe what we're talking about here the christian cross is uh, let's say i have some kind of suffering that takes place in my life that god has visited me with whether it be cancer whether it be arthritis whether it be a heart condition and i have these issues which are going on in my life this is the cross which god has given me to bear and this is just a wonderful opportunity for the Christian now to turn to God and say, Lord, I'm really going to need you to pick me up and carry me because this is, I, this is hard for me to handle on my own. I need you. I need you to keep your promises. I need to know that you're going to be there, that you will never leave me, you will never forsake me, and that you will help me through, and that I know in the very end I have an opportunity to one day see you in heaven. And the one thing that kind of compares this with is the question that was just prior to this. The Christian cross that we suffer with, you have to understand what amazing opportunities are provided for us to now witness our faith. In my career, I have seen so many instances 
where members of our own congregation and other congregations have had an opportunity, they've been diagnosed with cancer, they know it's terminal, and they will seek people out and tell them, I know where I am going. I want to tell you where I am going. What a wonderful, wonderful gift. Uh, recently, my brother-in-law passed away. And in his final days, he saw this as his ministry to be able to share with anyone who would listen, this is my faith. I know where I'm going. I want you to hang on to that same faith as well. And we maybe sometimes fail to see that through something that I suffer with, I can now share my faith and affect multiple, multiple folks through a witness of my faith. Thank you. Thank you. Tom, would you like to add anything? Yeah, in, in today's world, one of the buzz phrases we sometimes hear is death with dignity. And people talk about dying with dignity. The, the fact is, there is no dignity in death. God just takes that dignity away. But that really is a blessing for us. Uh, it can be humbling, humiliating to go through the process of dying. Well, okay, fine. If that means that I now have to learn total dependence on God through my suffering, through my cross, in the end, that's a blessing because the God of grace, uh, his grace actually demands that I, I put myself totally in his hands. So what, what God is doing at those times, he's loosening my grip on the things of this life. Uh, he, he, he's preparing me for home, making me, uh, making me yearn for the joys of heaven as I become weary of suffering and the problems that sin has caused in this world. And that's ultimately a good thing. As a Christian, that's what our faith is all about, and that's what we live for. Uh, there are other blessings here, too. I mean, you have a chance uh, in the middle of your suffering to pray and also to pray for others. And as Pastor Anzi mentioned so clearly, uh, the, the, the opportunities that a, a terminal Christian has, a Christian who is about to die and knows that they're going to die, to simply give testimony to their faith. They're often amazing. And the testimonies that people give are just wonderful testimonies to the blessings that God has worked in their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you guys are saying this, I, I remember one member, you know, even in my short time ministry, I do remember one member going and visiting him in the hospital and thinking, all right, what am I going to say? You know, this guy is, is about to pass away. And I, I don't remember anything I said, but I remember quite a few times he just said, Jesus is my Savior. I know where I'm going, you know. And it was kind of one of those times where the individual ministered to me as opposed to the other way around. So that was a, that was a huge blessing. So uh, audience, and also let's, let's also remember the suffering of Christ. Uh, we call this the Christian cross because it's related to Christ. When Christ suffered, he brought about the most glorious thing ever, the salvation of everyone. And it's hard to believe sometimes in the midst of suffering, but in some way God will bring about his good purpose even through our suffering. All right, so um, we could talk about this for quite some time, and there are many more issues or instances with end-of-life issues, but uh, we should get to our audience's second question. But audience, I just want to let you know if you do have any questions about 
life issues in general, whether it's beginning of life issues or end of life issues, a wonderful resource is, uh, it's called Christian Life Resources. This is a Wells organization dedicated specifically to these issues. So if you want information about abortion or cloning or stem cell research or vaccines or whatever, you can find wonderful articles written from a Christian perspective at Christian Life Resources. Simply go to christianliferesources.com. So with that, here is our second question. A member of an audience asked this. This is in regards to the sixth commandment. What would one do in this situation? Several years ago, while on a bus tour in New Orleans, a local tour guide came on the bus and gave us a very informative tour. Later that day, while eating with the bus driver, he told us that when the tour guide came on the bus, he told him he was gay. He said he didn't know what to do or say, so he did nothing. I guess it really shook him up. What would one do in this instance? So to uh, summarize, um, the members of the audience were on a, a bus tour. Tour guide came on, told the bus driver that he was gay, and the bus driver didn't know how to react to that. That's how this story goes. So Tom, uh, respond, please. Yeah, the question is, what would you do? I think the, the, the answer is really simple. Just be a Christian, be kind. Um, recognize that simply because somebody uh, says that they're gay or they uh, demonstrate themselves to be gay in some kind of way isn't necessarily an opening for you to feel it's, it's your call to comment on their moral position in life. Um, it, you're not there to challenge them. You're simply there to, to be a Christian. Fulfill your calling, your vocation as a Christian, and be uh, the best Christian that you can possibly be. If you happen to have a conversation with this person and get to know them, and now the door is open for you to be able to give testimony to what it is that you believe, then the Lord is giving you a chance to speak the truth in love. You know, I'm, I'm, you can say I'm a Christian. I, I, I believe uh, that... Uh, uh, a homosexual, a gay lifestyle is wrong. Uh, you might also make the comment, uh, you know, we're all sinful human beings. God calls us to repent, to change. Uh, I need to work at it every day. We, we all need to. But that's why Jesus has come into the world. Thank you, Tom. Ross, anything you'd like to add? Well, my first question would be, did you enjoy the tour? Sure. <laughs> and then secondly, did you thank the tour guide? Um, you know, when, when we begin to talk about we're coming across people who are not like ourselves and we're saying that they're living a life that we don't necessarily agree with, should we shun those people? Should we stay away from them? And, and my answer would be no. You know, we, we don't want to shun. We don't want to stay away. And especially when we get to the question of homosexuality. Because what if that tour guide came on and said that they were living together with their girlfriend or boyfriend? Or what if they were uh, an unscriptural divorce? Or whatever the case may be, uh, uh, they had a bit of a drinking problem. Probably they wouldn't have a problem with that. 
But it's this case of heterosexuals have a hard time understanding homosexuality because they don't have that temptation. And so we kind of put that in some separate category. And so I would remind everyone, you need to look at yourself and say, am I perfect? And no, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I am a sinful human being. Thank God Jesus came for me. And so I would then, uh, if I'm dealing with someone or come into conversation or connection with someone who uh, may be at a different moral compass than what I have, I want to be able to be there for them, get to know them, build a relationship with them. Maybe I can become friends with them. And then as opportunities present themselves, then I, I can also share my faith. But to shun them or to avoid them, I mean, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus was always right there among people that were classified as sinners. And you know what? I got to believe he would have sought me out too as, as a chief of sinners. So I think that's one thing that you, we, we all need to try to begin to wrestle with. Yes, we're all different. None of us are perfect. Here's my opportunity to build a relationship and share my faith as God presents opportunity. Yeah, thank you guys. Beautifully, beautifully said. Um, I guess I'll say too, you know, if there's a particular kind of sinner that you are uncomfortable with, well, maybe that's the exact kind of sinner that you need to go and try and, and befriend. Um, because as Ross said, Jesus was the friend of sinners. You know, he was criticized once for eating with tax collectors and the word in the Bible is translated sinners, probably prostitutes in that, uh, in that instance, we can't be sure, but Jesus was willing to associate himself with what we would consider the really bad sinners or whatever. So yeah, we just need to be Christians to them and we can be friends with them and be kind to them. Absolutely. Well, audience, those were your questions. Um, and uh, just want to let you know that if you have any more questions or if you'd like us to cover a particular topic, we'd love to hear from you. Again, email me at p.janish at trinitybrilliant.org. That's p.janish at trinitybrilliant.org. Until next time, God be with you. Thank you.